Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. My clock, by the way, for all you clock watchers out there. <laughs> Amen. Well, I want to say welcome. Welcome to the Life Church Growth Track. Those are the wrong notes. I taught Growth Track this morning at 10 o'clock, so let me pull up my sermon notes. Amen. There we go. Welcome to week two of our series on the Ten Commandments. By the way, did, did any of you enjoy last week our kickoff? Anybody enjoy that? Amen. Okay. I believe this is going to be a great series. I didn't say this last week, but believe it or not, after uh, however many years of pastoral ministry, I can't hardly keep track of it. But I have never preached or taught on the Ten Commandments until now. So I'm real excited about this. And if you missed last week, you can go to the website or you can download the app. Uh, by the way, you can also share the app with your friends if you want to share. I did it this weekend. I had a funeral uh, for a family member in southwest Virginia. And all you got to do is press, and I'm not going to say how much better my iPhone is than, than your Google phone. That we, we already had that last week. <laughs> I gave Rodney a hard time about that. All you got to do is press and hold the app. And it'll say share the app and then you can text it to your friends and encourage them so they can listen to the word of the Lord every week. Amen. Now, in our first message, I gave you an overview of why the Ten Commandments were still important for us today. And although they were Old Testament law, uh, we talked about why they still mattered. And uh, because unlike the ceremonial law, unlike the civil law, which was fulfilled, the moral law which they represent continue to this day. We also emphasize the point that if you try to separate the law from the heart of the lawgiver, you will misunderstand the purpose of the law. And that is that God not only wanted to set us free, He wants us to live free. Did you get that? Amen? He wants us to live free. So God's laws were there to love us, to help us to be free from our sins, and to help us live a victorious life. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts. So let's jump right in and let's start with the very first commandment. Exodus chapter 20, we're going to go to verse 1 through 3. If you have your Bibles, pull them out. If not, you can look on the screen. And today I'm going to read, first of all, from the NIV. It says, And God spoke all these words, and here they are. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Verse 3, here's your first command. You shall have no other gods before me. Why don't you repeat that with me? You ready? You shall have no other gods before me. That same verse from the New Living Translation says this. You must not have any other god but me. And then that same verse from the New King James says, you shall have no other gods before me. And then that same verse again from the message says this. I like it. No other gods, only me. Amen? So I wanted to point that out to you. The first commandment is very clear in almost any translation of the Bible that you like. You shall have no other gods before me or but me. So here's my title today. Put God first. Our first command, our first one is put God first. God is getting ready to teach his kids first things first. The most important thing. There is only one God and he alone is worthy to be worshipped. By the way, I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but the commandments are grouped together. The first four commandments are about our relationship with God and because our relationship with God is most important. And then the last six commandments are about our relationship with other people. How we treat others in light of how God treats us. Relationship with God, relationship with others. Now, I think this is kind of cool. In the New Testament, the Pharisees tried to trap Jesus by asking him to pick the great commandment in the law. 
And by the way, folks, this wasn't because they didn't know the answers. This is because they were trying to trip Jesus up, trying to make him stumble. So here they are. Imagine the scenario. Hey, Jesus, we know there's 613 laws. There's 10 commandments. We want to know which one of them is the greatest. It wasn't a sincere question. But I love how Jesus replied in Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40. Here's what he said. Well, here's their question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And then here's his reply, verse 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And notice this. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then verse 40, all the law, everybody say all of it. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I love this. I love how Jesus is the king of simplification. Here it is, 613 laws, 10 commandments on tables of stone. Really, though, it's just two big ideas. Love God, commands 1 through 4. And love your neighbor, commands 5 through 10. Isn't that awesome? That's good stuff. Matter of fact, I might preach the last sermon about this command. We might revisit this at the end of our series. It's Jesus tweeting 613 laws in one statement. (laughs) Getting all the characters in. Love God, love others. And he said, on this it all hangs. But let's talk about the first one in God's top ten. Every command has a principle behind it. And and that's what we're going to seek to discover every week, by the way. The principle that applies to us today. This command, this specific one, you shall have no other gods before me. The principle is this, and you might want to write this down. Examine your priorities. Examine your priorities. And as a believer, the number one priority in our life is to put God first. Can the church say amen? See, God demands top priority in our lives, and he refuses to play second fiddle to anybody, anyone. He deserves to be number one because he made you. He deserves to be number one because he saved you. But can I take it one step further? He deserves to be number one just because he is God, amen, because he's God. What does it mean to have no other gods before me. What is a God? Small g, by the way. It's anything that dominates or controls your life. Even good things that God has created for us to enjoy become gods when you give them first place in your life. Now, we're going to talk about that more next week when we talk about idols. But the last phrase of the first command literally means this, no gods to be in my face. Don't you love that? God was like, get those gods out of my face. Get them out of my face. Those things that we deem more important than God that cut off our communication with him. For example, God is literally saying, you get anything out of my face or out of your face that stands between you and me. Get it out of the way. You can't do that. God is saying, don't put those things first. They become a barrier between us if they're more important than me. First things first. He says there's one God, and I'm it. There's one God. You're not God. They're not God. Nobody else is God. Nothing else is God. I am God. And we cannot live free, like I talked about last week, until you realize that there's only one God and you're not him. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know you think you are. But you're not him. (laughs) You're not him. You're not the center of the universe. The reason, and you know what? The reason some people are so miserable in life is because they think they are. And what's happening is you're worshiping yourself. And you and I were not made to do that. We were made to worship him. We were made to enjoy him. Him, amen. We were made to glorify Him. Can I get a little help in this house today, amen? And when you make yourself the center of your life, guess what you're doing? You're going to make yourself miserable. You are. See, God doesn't look at them and say, 
Most important thing, you. Draw a circle and write your name in it. And then God doesn't look at us and say, okay, now everything else is going to orbit around you, and I'm just going to be out here throwing a few blessings your way. No, 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 that's not how it works. You know what God says? Draw a circle and write my name in it. Put my name in it. What this means is God is not just at the top of our priority list, but he demands to be at the center of our life. That's a big difference. It's not like, you know, we check the first item, God, off the list, and then we move on to everything else. God says, since I'm the center of your life, guess what? It involves me being in the center of your worship, in the center of your money, in the center of your marriage, in the center of your possessions, in the center of your sexuality. God says, I've got to be involved in every area of your life. Amen. Because he says, I'm the only true God. Put me first. My will, my wishes, my ways, my heart, my design for your life. And in the days these commands were given, by the way, they had tons of gods. It was very common. There was all kinds of false gods and goddesses. And and really, by the way, they're just demons. That's all they were. There's Ashtoreth. There's Baal. There's Molech. There's a whole list of them. And you know what's funny? And we, I think... I don't know if, we, if you've spent much time thinking about this. We think they were just a bunch of uneducated morons, and now we're more civilized than that. Has anybody ever been guilty of thinking that? Well, that, that's the way they were in the Old Testament. We, we're smarter than that. But I think many of us today practice what C.S. Lewis called chronological snobbery. What do I mean by that? We look at the Bible and we say, oh yeah, back in the day, they, they were primitive. They, they worshipped those gods that had weird names. I'm really glad that we're not like that. Are we not like that? See, the reason they had multiple gods is because they believed the gods promised to give them different things. This God or this goddess of sex or this God of fame or this God of money or this God of of pleasure or this God of comfort or this God of fertility or this God of the great harvest or this God of power or this goddess of power. But I've got to ask you, are we really that different in 2019? Do, Do we worship the same things? Sex, money, power. I had a preacher tell a group of preachers one time, he was warning the preachers, he said, be careful of the three G's. The three G's are going to pull you down. Gold, girls, and glory. Money, power, sex. He said, be careful of the three G's. The three G's are what get all the men. I'm going to say this, the three G's get a whole lot of women as well, amen? But think about it. Are we really that different? We still worship sex and money and power and fame and image. Of course we do. That's why we're so messed up. Come on, somebody be real. That's why church folks are so messed up. Amen? Come on, can I, can I just get real in this house right now? Y'all, y'all acting all stuffy and stuff. Come on, this ain't no TED talk today. I need a little help in this house. Amen? Do you know anybody that's wrecked their lives in pursuit of the three G's? See, we think we've evolved because we don't call them Baal anymore or Molech anymore. Or we don't build them an altar of wood and stones, but we're still worshiping the same false gods. We call it success or the pursuit of wealth. They called it mammon. That was their God. We call it sexual freedom. You know what they called it? Baal. We worship violence in our sports and in our movies and in our video games. I know this is getting uncomfortable because I'm getting a little close to home, right? Guess what? They called it Molech, the god of violence. You think we don't worship violence? We're going to go home this afternoon and many of us are going to sit down and watch a, a, a game. Come on, somebody. I'm a football fan where men are crashing together and they're getting concussions and they're breaking limbs. Some of you are going to go home and you're going to play video games that have got all kinds of horrific violence on it. Or you're going to flick on Netflix and you're going to watch movies with people getting their brains blown out. But we're not primitive like they were. Yes, we are. We just got better technology than they did. It's Molech. All over again. See, we think we've evolved, but it's the same thing. All Satan has done is he's just rebranding old demons. 
But see, God says there's one God, Him alone, Him at the center. And guess what? He is a jealous God. God loves His children like a father loves his children. God loves His people like a husband loves his wife. I'm going to say something kind of, it's a little bit mature, but I'm going to say it. And if you got little kids in here, they're probably supposed to be upstairs. Amen. But how would you married people like it if you went home today and your husband or your wife looked at you and said, you know, I love you. Let's say it's your wife. But I'd really like to be involved with some other men. Yeah, that's what I thought you'd respond. See, don't worry, you're still going to be first. But there's some other people that I like. You're still first, don't worry. We're still, you know, but there's some other things that I'm interested in as well. You know what we would do? <laughs> Hopefully you wouldn't kill them. But you look right at me and go, no, 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 that doesn't work that way. I am your husband, and we are in covenant, and there is to be no other man besides me. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm trying to make it to where you can understand. And you know what God does? He looks at us as his bride. And what he's saying to us is, guess what? You're a believer. We are in covenant. I am married to you. You are my bride. There is not supposed to be any other God besides me. Put God first. Put him first. So the question is, what do we live for? Marriage, children, promotions, beauty, sex, comfort, leisure, sports. Pastor Buddy, those are not bad things. You're right. As a matter of fact, I love all of those things. I love my marriage. I love my children. I love promotions. I love beauty. I love sex. I love comfort. I love leisure. I love sports. I love it all. Does that make me a bad person? No. But if I love any of those things more than I love my relationship with God, Come on, I'm trying to help you today. I like all those things, but hear me. When you, and you might want to write this down. When you let good things become God things, they become bad things. When you let good things become God things in your life, then they are bad things. Because now they have circumvented God. They are taking the place of Him being first in your life. I've already said enough. I, I could stop right now. You ought to be able to go home and be blessed. Amen? So who or what can you not live without? I've got to have them. I, I have to have that. Who or what do you run to in times of need? What causes your highest joy? What brings you your lowest grief? Amen? What can you live or not live without? Who or what is the center of your life? What does your schedule orbit around? What does your budget orbit around? What does your emotional life orbit around? Is it God or is it a substitute God? See, but every time God gives us a principle like put God first, he also gives us a promise. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6. I love this from the Living Bible. In everything you do, Put God first, and He will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Hallelujah. In everything, circle that. In everything you do, put God first, circle that. And then underline and highlight this part. He will direct you, and He will crown your efforts with success. There is a recipe for success right there. Put God first in everything. Success. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Put him first. Remember what I said last week? The laws, the commands are to help us live free and live blessed. This is a perfect example. This passage said, put God first. He will direct you. He will crown you with success. Does anybody in this place want to be successful? Anybody? Come on, this isn't a trick question. If you're breathing, you ought to want to be successful. You ought to be to want to want to be the best one on your job, the best. You ought to want to have a good marriage, be a great parent. Come on, somebody. You ought to want to be a great worship leader. You ought to be want to be a great Sunday school teacher. Come on. How do you do it? Examine your priorities. Do you want to be divinely directed? Put God first. Let me take it one step further. Are you ready? Whatever you want God to bless, put him first in that area. 
And here's where I'm going to make this practical for the rest of this sermon. Some of you might be struggling in some areas of your life, and I want to challenge you to ask yourself the question, is God first in the area of my struggle? Is God first in the area that we are uh, dealing with in my life? So how do I put God first? Where do I put God first? I'm going to use an acronym, FIRST. The word FIRST, F-I-R-S-T. And I want you to see five practical, real-life, everyday ways we can put God first. All right, you ready? Number one, here's your first priority. F, everybody say F. Put Him first in your finances. Thank you. Everybody say finances. Everybody say finances even if you're not doing it. Amen. How do you put God first in your finances? Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops, a lot of good words to circle there, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then, and here's the promise there's always a promise connected to the principle. Isn't that great? God says, Give me the first part back and I will bless all the rest. Now this morning I talked a little about about first in time, talent, and treasure in my connect class. But right now since the letter is F, I'm going to stick to finances, All right. The Bible teaches that money is one of the greatest tests of our priorities. Your bank account, I used to say your checking account, but now not very many people write. I'm still an old, does anybody else write checks besides me? Come on, somebody help me not feel so old, amen? I have Y'all are old too, by the way. Let me just. (laughs) But did you know, if you look at your bank account, your debit and credit card statements, it reveals what's important to you. It does. Not what you say, blah, 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 but how you spend your money. It reveals what's important to you. Did you know God's Word talks more about giving than about heaven or hell combined? Over half of Jesus' parables deal with the subject of money. You want to know why? This is just a plug for the Bible. Because the Bible is all about real life issues. And there's nothing that affects us more in real life day to day than what? Finances. Amen? Compare some other Bible words. Believe, 272 times. Pray, 371 times. Love, 714 times. Give, 2,162 times. So how do we put God first financially? By tithing and giving offerings. Look at Deuteronomy 14, 23 from the Living Bible. Well, pastor, what's the purpose of tithing? Here it is in black and white. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. I didn't know that was in the Bible. Yep. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to put God first in your lives. What's tithing? The first 10% of all I make goes back to God. Why is that important? Because God says if I'm not tithing, he's really not first in this area of my life. And can I just challenge you what I said earlier? If you're in a financial mess right now, whatever you want God to bless, put him first in that area. Whatever you want God to bless, put him first in that area. Put him first in your finances. First Corinthians, Corinthians, let me say it. First Corinthians 16 and 2. Two Corinthians walked into a bar. Amen. No. Okay. First Corinthians 16 and verse 2. On every Lord's Day, each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and use it for this offering. The amount, I like this. Look, the amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. Tithing's Old Testament. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. Look at this verse. When should I tithe? says on the first day of every week. By the way, today's the first day of the week, Sunday. Now, I know in our culture we think Monday, but look on your calendar. Sunday's actually the first day of the week. Can I just throw in a plug that has nothing to do with money? Recondition your mind to think of Sunday as the first day of the week because guess what it does? Every day when you come to church, you're saying, I'm starting my week off right. I'm starting my week off in the house of the Lord. Everything from last week died Saturday at midnight. Amen. Come on, I love it. I'm telling you, it's a great way to start your week. I'm starting in the house of the Lord with the word of God, with worship. And Monday just happens to be my second day of the week. It also makes Monday a little bit more tolerable. I saw a sign somewhere. It said, Monday, you know who likes you? Nobody. Amen. So when should I tithe? First day of the week. Day you go to worship. Where should I tithe? 
where you get fed spiritually. God's storehouse. When? Every Lord's Day. How much? Look at that scripture. It says the amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. If you haven't earned anything, guess what your tithe is? Anything you would give would be an offering, right? If you've earned a whole lot, your tithe would be more. 10% is the tithe. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store. So let me challenge you with this first command. Put God first F in your finances. And by the way, it's so easy now today for us with the app, with the website, with online giving, with recurring giving. Come on, to be honest, nobody is, is, has a good excuse not to tithe. Well, I wasn't at church. Well, you can do it online. And by the way, let me just throw this out here. If you are not disciplined enough to do it on your own, because sometimes it's a struggle, you can set it up to be automatically drafted so you are not tempted to disobey God. Your mortgage is drafted out. Your electric payment's drafted out. Why not you're offering your tithe to the Lord? Something to think about. Priority number two, F-I. Everybody say first, finances. Number two, I, interest. Put God first in your interest. What do I mean? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, you must do all for the glory of God. Now, if God's really going to be number one, you got to put Him first in your interest. Now, I know some people don't like this kind of stuff. They want preachers just to stand up. Uh, and by the way, you don't just need a preacher in your life. You need a pastor in your life. Amen? Because if all you want is sermons, just stay home and watch the Internet. But you need somebody that will speak into your life. Amen? So some people don't like this, but you need God in your interest. Your amusements, your recreation, your hobbies. What's the scripture say? Whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So the question is, is what you're doing reflecting that you've put God first in your life? How do you do it? Everything you do, do it with an attitude of gratitude. That God is first in that area of your life. Enjoy the things that God has given you. Be grateful for those things. So you can tell what a person's priority are, priorities are by seeing what they get excited about. You can. That's what's important to you. Amen? It also means striking a balance in your interest and your responsibilities. I don't, want, I don't want to be remiss in that. Do you have time for hobbies, but you don't have time to connect with a life group every week? Okay, I'm being the pastor, not just the preacher. <laughs> Do you have plenty of money for golf or hunting equipment, but you can't pay your bills on time? See, I'm talking about as a believer. By the way, guess what? I'm not talking about tithing now. As a believer, you're supposed to pay your bills. Newsflash. Because <laughs> it affects your witness. It also reflects, reflects your integrity. The contract you've made with some vendor to say, if in exchange of goods, I will pay you on time. Man, it's awful quiet in here. I'm just trying to help you be a good Christian. I'm trying to help you get to heaven. It's more than speaking in tongues and getting baptized in water. Amen? Another good test is what you talk about the most. Is the Lord first in your life? He's going to be a part of your conversations. Not every conversation. Because can I just be real? Nobody wants to be around somebody who talks about God all the time. Be balanced. Don't be ashamed to talk about the Lord. But remember, examine your priorities. Check your interest. Put him first. F with your finances. I with your interest. Priority number three. Everybody say R. Put him first in your relationships. Put him first in your relationships. Proverbs 27 and verse 19. A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kinds of friends he chooses. <laughs> You want to see what the mirror says, look in the mirror. You want to see who you really are, look at your buddies. Look at the people you hang out with all the time. Because if you want God first in your life, you're going to have to choose your friends carefully. You know why? Because you become like the people you spend the most time with. I preached a sermon many, many years ago in the 7-Eleven. If you lie with dogs, you get fleas. 
If you spend time with people who take God lightly, you're going to tend to become a casual believer. But if you spend time with people who are committed and take God and his word seriously, you will become a stronger, more committed Christian. Amen? Again, can I remind you, this is why we gather on weekends to worship. This is why we connect in life groups to build community and grow as a disciple. This is why we serve on dream teams to minister to others and live out your purpose. All three of these elements build godly relationships in our life. And hear me, just meeting from 11 to 12.30 on the first day of the week is not enough. You need godly relationships. Parents, what type of people are you exposing your children to? Be involved in who their friends are. Talk about it. Challenge them. Limit their interaction with people you don't feel like are good for them. Are they going to like it? No. But you owe it to them. Amen. Don't forget, if you're a parent, your calling is not to be their BFF. (laughs) Amen. Your calling is to lead them and guide them and show them the way. Amen. And you know what I found out? I can say this now from experience. Now, my daughters are 26 and 23. They're our buddies now. Because guess what? I ain't responsible for them no more. <laughs> I, now, I still, I, I, I'm a very involved dad. I still stick my opinion in and sometimes probably too much. But you know what? Guess what? We enjoy each other now. We're friends. We set up and we talk about stuff. We have fun together. But guess what? There was a time in our life where we told them, no, no, no. We don't like those friends. Uh, I know you think we're narrow-minded, but no, they are not. You're not going over their house. We might let them come to our house. Relationships matter. Help your kids. Amen. Check their phones. Check their social media. Check their Facebook page, amen. Make sure they're not talking to creeps, amen. Make sure they're not, come on somebody, I'm trying to help you. Look what Proverbs 13 and 20 says from the New Living Translation. Walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble, amen. See, if you really want God first, then some relationships are wrong for you. Now, now don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about not having any friends that are not Christians, because how else are you going to be salt and light? Come on. God didn't call us to all live in a big cubicle, amen? He didn't call us to go, uh, you know, build a cult somewhere and protect our... No, no, no. you got to be salt and light. you got to have friends that are unbelievers. But make sure you're being salt and light and not the other way around, amen? i got to hurry so I can finish on time. F. What, what's F? Somebody help me. What's I? What's R? Let's talk about S. Put God first in your schedule. Everybody say schedule. Ephesians 5, 16 through 17. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Notice, redeeming the time. How do I put God first in my schedule? I ask Him to help me use my time for His glory. I make, now I'm talking about my life now. I make a list of things. And now you should do this too, whether it's a literal list or just a mental checklist of all that I have to do or all that I want to do. And then I say, God, which of these things do you really want me to do? And which of these things bring glory to you in my life? Your schedule matters. Hear me, because none of us have time to do everything. Selection is the name of the game. And God has a plan for your life. So if you find yourself having more things to do than you have time to do, guess what? It means some of the things that are in your life are not the will of God for your life. Don't be afraid to say no to some things. Amen? Good is still the enemy of best. There may be some good things, but hear me. God never put more on you than he puts in you. God never puts more on your plate than he puts in you to handle. Now, I am a list person, personally. Any other list people in the house? Matter of fact, if you ask me to make a list of my most favorite things, number one on my list is going to be list. (laughs) Amen. I'm going to prove it to you. Every Sunday evening, I'm going to do it tonight. Every Sunday evening, I spend some time looking over my upcoming week. 
Now, during football season, I like to multitask. I watch football and do this. I'll, I'll do it tonight while I'm watching football. I'm going to get my laptop out. I'm going to look at my computer. I'm going to look at my to-do list. Sometimes during church, you see me on my phone. I'm not texting. I'm writing down things that I think of. Stuff that I see in church that I don't like. Stuff that I think they might have dropped the ball with on the platform. Stuff that I think I might have done. Things that I thought. And you know what? If I don't write it down, I think about it and I get distracted. So I just pick up my phone and I go, I put it down and I forget about it until tonight. And I sit down and I plan my week out. I look at my calendar. I look at my appointments. And you know what I do? And when it's all said and done, I say, God, I want you to bless everything I'm going to do this week. And if there's any divine interruptions, help me to have a good attitude when it happens. That means people. <laughs> that means funerals. That means weddings. I had to, my, my cousin just died. I was very close to him growing up. And so guess what? This last week, I had my whole week planned out. I, had, I mean, I had a lot I had to get done. And my cousin died. Two months ago, he didn't even know he was sick. Found out he had stage four cancer, and my cousin died. So I, I left on Thursday. Robin and I left. I preached his funeral Thursday night and then did his graveside on Friday. And then I had to attend a wedding yesterday for a family member that I didn't know I was supposed to be at. And I ended up having to be my mom's plus one. <laughs> so guess what? Thursday Got, and I'm not complaining. Thursday got taken away from me. Friday got taken away from me. Saturday got taken away from me. And I used to stress over stuff like that. But I didn't stress because last Sunday evening while I was watching football, I said, God, you know what's coming this week. And whatever you want me to do, help me to do it all for your glory. Now, I, I, I'm hopefully, I, I might be giving some of you a little life skill or a life hack right now that will help you. Go home and look at your week and plan your calendar out, but don't be a legalist about it. If Give God room to give you divine interruptions and to send people into your path. Every Monday morning, Rodney, Debbie, Noah, my wife, our little small office staff. You may not know this here, but every Monday morning we get together and we go over the week's events and we talk about stuff that needs attention. Tomorrow, me, Rodney, and Noah are going to talk about what we thought went good in the service today and what we can improve on. We talk about stuff like that. You know why? We want to put God into our schedule. We want to put God into our plan. Amen? And then at the end of our staff meeting tomorrow, guess what we always do? We pray for the Lord to bless our week. And we pray for, pray for Him to give us glory. And we do. We, we almost always say this if we think about it. We say, God, if you send any divine interruptions this week, help us to be ready and help us to remember it's not about our calendars. It's about people and it's about loving people. Amen. Put God first in your schedule. And now I'm going to challenge some of you because I don't know your calendars. But if every night... If you don't have any time for a life group, your schedule is too full. I'm talking to members of this church right now, amen. If you're a guest, I'm not talking to you because I don't have that right to speak that into your life. But if you're a member and you don't have time for community, you've got too much on your plate. You've got too much on your plate. If you don't have any time for your family but you've got time for your hobbies, you've got too much on your plate. Come on, somebody. If you've got time for fishing and hunting and golf, but no time to hang out with your sons, you've got too much on your plate. Can all the mamas say amen? Amen? You've got to review your priorities and put God first in your schedule. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, from the contemporary English version, I like this. It said, very early the next morning, Jesus got up and went to a place where he could be alone and pray. Let me tell you what's the most important thing you can put into your daily schedule. Prayer and the Word of God. Prayer and the Word of God. Jesus, God in the flesh, the Bible says, He got up early and He went to a place where He could be alone and pray. Now, I'm just, I'm just, I like to give you examples from my life because it's the one I know the best. I try to start every morning on my front porch until it gets unbearably cold where I can't sit on my front porch. But I try to sit on my front porch with my coffee in hand 
in my Bible. And I try to talk to the Lord. Some mornings I can be there longer than others. Now this is before I come here to the church. Some mornings I don't get to do it at all if I'm just being real with you. Can I be honest with you? Some mornings life gets so crazy and I don't always get to spend that quality alone time with God. But I do it in the morning because it helps me start my day in the right frame of mind. And if I'm having a real good morning, I get to drink two cups of coffee. Drink coffee, read my Bible. And you know what else I've had to make myself do? Now, maybe you're more disciplined than I am. i got to make sure I don't look at my phone first. Now, some of you are more spiritual than I am. But if I start checking email, it's over. If I go to Facebook, oh, man, I don't have any time left to pray. Nobody else is like that, I'm sure. If I start checking your text messages, it's done. By the way, don't get mad if somebody doesn't send you a text message back instantly. Can I just throw this in right now? If you need them that bad, pick up the phone and call them on the digits. Because I ain't no slave to your text message. Hallelujah. Amen. So what am I trying to say? Don't be a legalist about it. You know, don't feel like if everybody else that you know doesn't get up at 5.30 or 6 a.m. and pray for an hour that you're more holy than them. No, 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 no. But can I also say don't be a pacifist about this? Well, you don't know my schedule. I just don't have time to pray. Yeah, you do. You know what I used to do when I worked construction? I had to get up at 5 a.m. so there wasn't a whole lot of sitting on the porch drinking coffee Bible time. I had an hour drive to work, and I would talk to the Lord on my way to work. Now, would I have rather been sitting in my chair without being the distraction of the highway? But make time in your schedule for God. Amen? Prayer and the Word of God. Can the church say amen? All right. Is God first in your schedule? Your interest and how you spend your time tell a lot about your priorities. Last one, conclusion. Praise team, prayer team, come on up. F. Finances, I, interest, our relationships, S, schedule, and letter T. Make sure you put God first in your troubles. Put Him first in your troubles. Psalm chapter 50, verse 15 says, Pray to me in time of trouble. I will rescue you, and you will honor me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you read that scripture with me? Pray to me in time of trouble. I will rescue you, and you will honor me. Why don't you stand with me all over this house? You know what God says? Turn to me. Everybody say, first, when you've got a problem. See, prayer should be the first option, not the last resort. Amen? God is waiting to hear from us. He said, put me first in the times of trouble. See, now some people think, well, I don't talk to God very much when times are good, so I kind of feel guilty just calling on Him when things are bad. Nope. Don't, don't think about that. When you got trouble, you call on Him. You call on Him. God says, bother me. Interrupt me. Talk to me. Don't carry it all by yourself. See, how do you know when God is really first in your life? When you can stop worrying all the time and start trusting. Now, obviously, everybody worries. Some. But constant worry is a warning light that God is not first in your life in that particular moment. And can I break it down even further? I'll guarantee you, if you're worrying in a specific area that I'm talking about, finances, interest, uh, schedule, relationships... You probably have not got him in total first place in that area. That's why you've got worry and conflict in that area. Think about it. Stop and evaluate. When I start worrying all the time, I'm playing God. And when God's not first in my finances or any of those other areas, it's usually when worry is most prominent. When I'm not praying like I should, that's when I worry the most. Anybody else like that? When I'm not in the book, that's when I'm the most stressed, amen? When I'm not walking in covenant like I really need to be walking in covenant, that's when life's issues tend to sabotage me or at least sabotage my faith. Troubles. Give them to the Lord.
Matthew 6, 32 through 34. Only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. Your Father in heaven knows that you need all of these. But more than anything else, put God's work first and do what He wants. Then the other things will be yours as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. It will take care of itself. You have enough to worry about today. Have you ever noticed that Jesus put that in right in the middle of a sermon on worry? Putting God first is the antidote to worry. If you want to build a successful life, if you want to build a strong family, you got to have the right foundation. And here it is. The first commandment tells me, put God first. Joshua's commitment in Joshua 24, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So my question is, have you been set free? Do you know Jesus? Have you given him your sins? Is he your Passover lamb that we talked about last week? Is he your God? And if not, the first decision you need to make today is to give yourself to Jesus Christ today. If you walked in here apart from him, you need to walk out here knowing him. If you're not a Christian, your biggest problem is not your behavior, it's not your conduct, it's not your addictions, it's your God. It is. It's your God. It's the God that's taking place of the real God. you got to give yourself to Jesus and put Him first. That issue has to be settled. And for those of you who are believers, I want to speak to you. I talked about it last week. You've been set free, but are you living free? Are you living free? I guarantee you are not free If you're not free, it's because you're not putting God first in at least one of the priorities I've talked about today. So today's your opportunity to make a fresh start. You can put your finances. Don't wait till January to start tithing. If you're not tithing, start now. Let God's blessing start now. Don't wait until you make to, to reorganize your whole life before you put God first in your interest or in your calendar. Start today. You can leave your sin at the altar. You can leave your worries at the altar. You can leave your misplaced priorities at the altar and say, Lord, I want to make a fresh start. So as Pastor Tony Suarez likes to do, he says at the count of three, I want you to come to the altar. So I'm not going to count, but I want to invite you to step out from where you are right now. And I want you to step out with this commitment in mind and say, God, I want to reestablish you as first priority in my life today. And every single one of us know if there's an area that we're faltering in. You just say, God, I want you to bless that area of my life. So I'm going to recommit to putting you first in that area of my life. So as the praise team begins to sing, why don't you lift your hands? Why don't you step out from where you are? Let's invite God in. Come on, let's invite him in afresh. God, I want to put you first. I want to put you first. You're the God of this city. You're the king of these people, you're the Lord of this nation, you are, you're the light in this darkness, you're the hope to the hopeless, you're the peace to the restless, you are.
the hope to 